Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today, an amazing word from St. Paul at the end of today's epistle lesson. You are not your own. This is our text. Yesterday, 11 couples gathered in the adult ed rooms over at the school for a pre-marriage workshop. It was led by Pastor Fenske, and one of the things that he does in that workshop is, is, is work through some of the details of the wedding ceremony, which, of course, the brides are, are very focused on. But he spends more time trying to prepare the couple not for the wedding, but, but for the years which follow, for their marriage. And one of the ways we do that is we ask couples to, uh, to fill out a, a couple profile. And there's a category in that profile that's titled Realistic Expectations. None of the couples ever scores very high in that one. And I know that I would not have either had such an inventory been around when, when Karen and I were talking about getting married. We would have benefited from some of that information, although I, I think we've done pretty well, 42 plus years of marriage and, and really no serious arguments, some, some prickly moments, of course, especially early on, but, but I don't think anything major. Obviously, I have a very forgiving wife. One of the issues that I have to continue to work on in myself is, is that I can be pretty independent-minded. I didn't say stubborn. And while I'm pretty sure I never uttered the words, I'm also pretty sure that sometimes what I said, or, or maybe by my actions, I really was saying something along the lines of, well, you're not the boss of me. St. Paul was dealing with that kind of attitude in the city of Corinth with the, the congregation that was there. They frequently acted as if their feeling about God was, you're not the boss of me. And Paul wanted them to, to change their attitude. And so in our text, he writes, you are not your own. In other words, you are not the boss of you. And here's why we're talking about this on Life Sunday and, and as we're celebrating National Lutheran Schools Week. Our culture has changed at, at lightning speed in so many areas where the church used to have the final word. Not that everybody abided ever by what the church taught, but there wasn't much argument about it either, at least not publicly. So, so pretty much everybody agreed that it was a good thing to go to church every Sunday. Foul language was not to be used, especially not in public. Sexual intercourse was properly reserved for marriage. The word abortion never uttered in polite company. And assisted suicide 
It was not something that would even be considered, let alone promoted, voted on in a statewide election. The way all that has changed is obvious, isn't it? The church's influence on our culture has decreased dramatically. What might not be quite so obvious is this. As our influence on the culture has decreased, the culture's influence on us has increased. And that's true in so many ways, none of them good. What I want to suggest today is that we can intentionally seek to limit the influence that that the world outside these walls has on us. And even more than that, maybe we can begin to reverse things so that we can have a positive influence, an impact on our society. But here's the key. It all begins with us as individuals. While the church no longer has much influence in society, individual Christians have a great deal of influence on individual members of our society. We need to give some serious thought to what that means. And we need to start with this. Because of our selfish, sinful nature, we don't always buy into the you're-not-your-own thing. We still want to have some control. We want to be the boss of us. That's why we still need to hear the words of St. Paul, you are not your own. Because that's not up for debate. That's the heart of the Christian message. Really, our only choice in the matter is to deal with it or not. If you want to deal with it, then I think you're going to appreciate the rest of this sermon. If you don't really want to deal with it, well, maybe you can listen anyway, and and maybe we'll say something that will persuade you as we go along. If you look at your sermon outline, uh, we've got two blanks there, and and each one of them uh, identifies one step in this idea of dealing with the truth that we are not our own. The first step is to accept it. When I said I do on June 7th, 1975, I was pretty naive about what those words would mean in my life. Still don't have it figured out, of course. Um, but starting to come to grips a little bit to accept some of the ways that, that I needed then and still need to change in order for our marriage to be the best it can be. That's a good thing that in addition to uh, having a forgiving wife, I also have a very patient one. We're all fortunate that we have an even more patient God because He continues to wait for us to completely accept the truth that we're not our own. We do need to accept it. Because there really can be no doubt but that you do not 
belong to yourself. Something other than you owns you. And by that I mean controls you, occupies your thoughts, and influences your actions. It's important for us to determine, to identify what that it is in our lives. And of course, this changes over the course of our lives and, and sometimes from, from day to day. But I give you some examples, they're only examples, in the sermon outline. One of the, the things that is the it that can control us is our passions for food or drink or sex or sports or success or power. Another one is our possessions. The drive to have more and more things can drive us deeper and deeper into debt or can drive us away from others, those with whom we want to have some kind of loving relationship. Someone once said, and see if you agree with this, or, or maybe you've heard it before, that, that the, everything that it takes, that the time, that the money, the energy that, that we spend to obtain and maintain possessions bring us to this point. That the more things we own... Have you heard this? The more things we own, the more things own us, control us. Or maybe it's our pride at times that does that, pride that prevents us from asking for help when we need it, or maybe even more seriously, from apologizing to someone that we really need to apologize to, and the damage that does to our relationships. Or it could be our peers, our desire to to go along, to get along, to impress our peers can can cause us to abandon all common sense and and to ignore God's Word. So you might as well accept it. You are not your own. You, You can't be. It's impossible for any human being. What Paul wants us to realize is that's not always bad. We have a positive example of it in the Old Testament lesson today, when God let Samuel know that that he wasn't his own man. man. Now, maybe Samuel already knew that. He had been been living with Eli in the house of the Lord for some time in in agreement with or in fulfillment of his, his mother's promise even before he was conceived that when she said, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. Well, that kind of attitude stands in stark contrast to the attitude that that Paul uncovered in the congregation in Corinth. Apparently, the people there hadn't been paying attention at the pre-conversion workshop, and they had some unrealistic expectations about what was going to happen after they said, I do, to Jesus. Apparently, they were balking at at making some changes in their lifestyle. They had all kinds of rationale for that, some slogans, apparently, that they were were using. And, And Paul quotes some of those. We'll put just one of them up on the screen. Apparently, they were saying, well, all things are are lawful for me. Translation, you are not the boss of me, but you 
you see the emphasis, don't you? If you are not your own is the heart of the Christian message, then this focus on what I want is the heart of our culture's message. And that's what's behind the issues in society that we confront today. I make my own decisions. I decide my own truth. No one can tell me what to do or not to do. As Christians, this is a huge source of tension in our own lives. Isn't it true that so often we tend to follow the examples of the Corinthians more than we do the example of Samuel? Unacceptable. What we can accept, must accept, is that it's really true that we are not our own. That's the first step in dealing with the fact. The next step is, well, I think it's more than just a step. It's actually a giant leap. The first step is to accept it. The second, to go so far as to embrace it. What a great feeling it is in those times when, when we're able to embrace the fact that, that we are, are not our own. That comes and goes, doesn't it? But what peace and, and joy that brings. That's really what our year of discipleship is all about. It's why our congregation maintains a Christian school. To help all of us, young and old alike, consider the real meaning behind St. Paul's words. So that we don't just grudgingly accept that we're not the boss of us, but gratefully embrace it as a marvelous gift from God. And we can only do that when we realize that, that like in a marriage, what we have to gain is so much more than we'd ever be asked to give up. You are not your own. Embrace that statement for what it is. Wonderful news, exhilarating, inspiring, liberating, because there's more to it. You are not your own, Paul says. You were bought at a price. And we know what that price was, not gold or silver or anything like that. Something far more valuable, the holy precious blood of, of, of Jesus and His innocent suffering and death. It doesn't get any better than this. You are so valuable to God that He was willing to pay such a price for you, beaten up and broken down as you were. And there's a reason for that. Here's why he wanted to own you even in that condition, even now. And I want to say that unless we get this, we'll never get to the point where we embrace the fact that we're not our own. The reason God bought us, the reason God wants to own us, you is so He can protect you and help you and guide you and save you 
from yourself, from Satan, from the corrupting influence of the world around us. He wants to own you, not because he needs you, but because you need him. Not because there's something he wants from you, but because he has so much he wants for you and and to give through you, because he wants to use us to impact the people around us, to impact the world around us. That's how he works. Did you see how that happened with Samuel? Samuel is the one who, who anointed and advised Israel's first king, Saul, also the one who anointed David. God used one man working in the lives of several people to impact the lives of many people. That's how he changes culture. That's how we can change our culture, if only we will embrace His call to do so. And Paul puts this in pretty simple terms. Right after he says, you are not your own, you were were bought at a price, he adds, so glorify God in your body. Well, ours isn't the first culture to have it completely backwards when it comes to sexual issues, life issues. Paul's words come in the context of a discussion about sexual immorality. He confronted that head on, and so must we. And he sums up his entire argument with that phrase, so glorify God in your body. You see the difference, don't you, between the the slogan that we put up before, all things are lawful for me, and what, what Paul says here, glorify God in your body? It's that simple and that difficult. Let everything you do, every decision you make, have as its goal to glorify God. Only someone who knows the absolute love of God in Jesus would be willing to surrender that kind of control, to trust Him completely so that we willingly accept His invitation to serve Him, knowing that this isn't some kind of trick, He's he's not trying to manipulate us, that that this this is not for God's benefit but for ours. And when we know those things, of course we're going to want to glorify Him in our bodies. What a contrast. Our culture glorifies self. It applauds those who who shamelessly proclaim that God is not the boss of them, that, that they will not be controlled by Him. His Word will not be their guide. We need to show a better way. We need to show that just the opposite is true for us. If we're going to impact our culture, we have to accept, no, we have to embrace the truth that we are not our own because we're not. We're His. Thanks be to God. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.